Welcome to The Greek Current, a podcast by Halk and Kathy Marini. I'm your host, Thanos Davelis. Last week, news dropped that the Biden administration reportedly will ask Congress to approve a $20 billion sale of F-16s to Turkey, coupled with a separate sale of F-35 fighters to Greece. The sale of F-16s was also the focus of Turkish Foreign Minister Mevlut Cavusoglu's meeting with Secretary of State Antony Blinken in Washington on Wednesday. Expert Michael Rubin, a senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute and former Pentagon official, joins me to explain why the White House is only half right here. Rubin argues that Congress should go ahead with the F-35 sale to Greece, but Turkey still does not deserve new F-16s. Michael, great to have you back on The Greek Current. Hey, thanks for having me, Thanos. Michael, the Biden administration is set to ask Congress to approve the sale of F-16s to Turkey. Given Turkey's behavior, is there any way to make sense of this decision by the White House? No, absolutely not. Look, the logic of the White House is that this is really a consolation prize to Turkey after Turkey was kicked out of the F-35 program. But that isn't the reason to give Turkey these, these weapons. What we need to look at is two things. Number one, the record of Turkey's behavior. And number two, what Turkey is most likely to use F-16s to do. Uh, when it comes to the record of Turkey's behavior, it's atrocious. They still occupy Cyprus. They've been increasingly harassing Greece and the Aegean Islands, which belong to Greece. They've been harassing Armenia. We have confirmed reports of Turkish F-16s now seconded to Azerbaijan. They've been bombing Syria and Iraq on an almost daily basis. And when I talk about bombing Syria, we're not talking about bombing the Assad regime. We're talking about bombing Yazidi villages, the same people who have been subjected to genocide. That's what they would use these for when it comes to every other notion of what Turkey may want or need. It, it doesn't compute. An additional factor to consider is, you know, Turkish elections on the horizon. Would this simply be handing Turkish President Erdogan a pre-election win? Well, you're absolutely right on that. Turkey is now talking about having elections in May. And it's, in all likelihood, Erdogan is going to win, not because he's the most popular man in the country, but rather because he's been systematically arresting or outlawing all the other opposition parties. And so to allow Erdogan to signal a triumph at this point in time would be policy malpractice. Michael, I want to take us back a few years to President Biden's then presidential campaign, where he took a firm stance against Turkey's Erdogan. Is this move now a sign he's walking back on his campaign promises not to appease uh, the Turkish president? Well, unfortunately, I think that is the case. Certainly Biden, during his campaign and immediately after he entered the White House, was better. He had said he wasn't going to fall for Erdogan's tricks. And everyone remembers that President Barack Obama had defined Erdogan as one of his top five most trusted foreign friends. Donald Trump, likewise, had nothing but praise for the Turkish dictator. Biden said, look, I know what this man does. I'm going to stand up for it. And he went forward with the Armenian Genocide Resolution, for example. Well, here's the problem. Unfortunately, his longtime staff, who now occupy senior positions, national security positions in the Biden administration, wanted to walk the president back, and the president has allowed him. We've seen the Biden administration defined by an um, embrace of both siderism, where whenever Biden will do something more coercive towards Turkey, the Biden administration will try to appease Turkey in some way. So, for example, we saw this with the Armenian Genocide Resolution. It was followed very, very quickly by a waiver of Section 907 of the Freedom Support Act, 
which meant that we could continue giving $100 million to Azerbaijan, which is Turkey's chief ally in the region. We're seeing this now with the F-35 and the F-16. The whole reason why Turkey didn't get the F-35s is because they were in violation of CAPSA sanctions. Basically, it was all because of President Erdogan's dalliance with Russia and Russia's military industries with the S-400s and so forth. Well, that's no reason to give them the F-16s. The both-siderism only encourages President Erdogan to be much more aggressive because he feels he's not going to face any consequence for his actions. Quite contrary, he feels that somehow the United States is going to pay him off in order to lay the inevitable Erdogan temper tantrum. One way that the Biden team wants to overcome congressional opposition to a potential sale to Turkey is by offering Greece F-35s. If the Biden administration intends to link the two, what message does this send to countries like Greece, which is an ally in both name and practice? Well, first of all, I'm all for sending the F-35s to Greece. But you put your thumb on the real issue, Danos, that there should not be linkage. There shouldn't be linkage between Turkey and Greece. There shouldn't be linkage between Iran and Israel. There shouldn't be linkage between Israel and Pakistan. Greece is an ally in its own right. The Eastern Mediterranean today is not what the Eastern Mediterranean was 25 years ago. Greece is a democratic country, an ally, and it's not only a democratic ally, it's a democratic ally right now under threat by Turkey, and it is completely immoral and obtuse to supply the aggressor in that case with the weaponry which is needed to threaten a democratic ally. The Biden administration has to stop counting the trees and see the forest. So yes, give the F-35 to Greece. Greece has shown in decades of reforms that it is ready for it and that it needs it. But when it comes to assessing Turkey's need for weaponry, we've got to look at Turkey on its own merit. And no matter what metric you choose, Turkey is failing. The second way, Michael, that the Biden team is looking to get this through Congress is by tying the sale of F-16s to Turkey lifting its veto on Sweden and Finland's NATO bids. Would this simply be rewarding Turkish extortion politics while at the same time undermining NATO's credibility? Well, absolutely. Let me put it this way. I'm all for Sweden and Finland joining NATO, but we shouldn't subject ourselves to this sort of Turkish extortion. Our long-term goal should be for Finland and Sweden to join NATO but we shouldn't be willing to pay the price which Turkey is now demanding. Let's cooperate with Sweden and Finland. I mean, we shouldn't destroy their brand as democratic countries, pro-Western-leaning democratic countries, simply because Erdogan is going to try to extort as much from them as possible. What I would argue is, look, if Turkey isn't going to allow them to join NATO in the short term, fine. We can cooperate with them and achieve the same goal qualitatively, if not officially. And then when it comes to regime change in Turkey, then we should actually look at getting Sweden and Finland in NATO. I mean, we should be quite blunt when it comes to Erdogan. We're not going to subject ourselves, submit ourselves to your extortion. We will simply pursue our goals after regime change. And when I'm talking about regime change, of course, I'm not talking about anything like Iraq or anything military. Democracy is all about systemized regime change. Look, no one hates Turkey. Turkey is an important regional state. Turkey needs a government which is willing to work productively with all the countries in the region, as opposed to try to seek its own advantage at the expense of regional security. 
Erdogan has shown himself that he simply is not going to play that role, and we shouldn't appease him under these circumstances. We should get Sweden and Finland into NATO once there's a new leadership in Turkey. And we should make that clear to Erdogan. We're not going to play your game. We're going to push for a democratic change. In making their arguments in favor of the sale of F-16s to Turkey, many say, you know, that Turkey plays this important role within NATO and steps should be taken to keep Ankara, quote-unquote, on side with the West. Is this importance overstated? It's absolutely overstated, Danos. Here's the thing. The logic, the argument goes that Turkey is an important NATO member. The first argument is, look what they did. They fought with us in the Korean War. Well, they did, but that was a different Turkey at a different time. That was 70 years ago. The second argument is, of all the NATO countries, Turkey has got the second most number of men under arms after the United States. It's got more than Germany and France combined. Well, that's true, but it's an irrelevant statistic. And the reason it's an irrelevant statistic is, for example, on Operation, let's use a real example, Libya. What happens is at NATO headquarters, the military planners go to all the different states and see what they're willing to contribute. If you have a lot of men on paper, but you're not willing to contribute anything, it doesn't matter how many men you have under arms. Given Turkey's behavior, it may have a lot of troops under arms, but functionally within NATO, I can't say it's much more important than a country like, let's say, Montenegro or Albania. The fact of the matter is, Turkey is coasting on its reputation of having a check mark next to the statistic, but increasingly it's an irrelevant statistic. Diplomats might not understand that, military planners do, and it's time to tell Erdogan the Sultan's wearing no clothes. Michael, wrapping up, in your opinion, how should Congress react in response to all of these developments, particularly as Turkey's foreign minister is in Washington, D.C.? Well, we've got to have some moral clarity, and we've got to be very clear in our interests. I'm glad that the Biden administration has broached sending F-35s to Greece. We need to do that on our own terms. But we should be very, very clear. What Congress needs to do is lay down the conditions. If Turkey wants F-16s, we need to lay down the conditions of what Turkey must do in order to have that pass Congress. I would say ending the occupation of Cyprus, stopping the harassment of Greek islands, not only stopping the harassment, but dropping any of these ridiculous claims lifting the blockade of Armenia, stopping the bombing of Kurdish and Yazidi villages in Syria and Iraq, and withdrawing their 68 forward operating bases, which are in Iraq illegally. This isn't rocket science. We need to be firm. We need to be clear. We need to let Turkey know that none of these demands are negotiable. And if they want to move forward in cooperation, so be it. And I'm fully confident that in the future, once Turkey purges itself of Erdoganism, This is where we will be. We shouldn't compromise now. Michael, it's been great speaking with you as always. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Thomas. In other news, Turkey on Wednesday urged the Biden administration to be decisive in its bid to sell F-16 warplanes to Turkey and convince the U.S. Congress to drop its opposition to a planned $20 billion deal. Turkish Foreign Minister Mevlut Cavusoglu told reporters in Washington he had told U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken that Turkey dropping its objections to Sweden and Finland joining NATO should not be a precondition for the sale. The Biden administration has expressed its support for the sale of the jets to Turkey despite opposition from Congress over Ankara's problematic human rights record, Syria policy, refusal to ratify the NATO membership of Sweden and Finland, and its threats against Greece. Finally, the establishment by the OECD of a research center on Crete monopolized Secretary General Matthias Korman's visit to Athens last week. 
The center will analyze demographic and migration policies, issues related to the diaspora, as well as individual challenges related to the labor market and the population. Corman's visit also included a full agenda of issues on the Greek economy in relation to international developments. In an exclusive interview with Kathy Berini, the Secretary General of the OECD said, among other things, that rating agencies now believe Greece to be one step below the threshold for investment grade and stressed the need for a broad national consensus on reforms. That wraps up today's episode of The Greek Current. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you.